chapter 21 through 13. I'm going to do a little expositional preaching tonight. Um, the title is, What Will You Do? I've never done this. Uh, this is brand new for me here. Uh, so, so uh, what will you do when your necessities are gone? I wanted to title it, what will, they, what will you do when they come for you? But it had nothing to do with the, with the sermon. But it sounded better. What will you do when your necessities are gone? Necessities are gone. Get that, necessities. Okay, Numbers chapter 20, let's read. Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation in the desert of Zin. Uh, the first month of the people abode in Kadesh, and Miriam died as the sister of Moses and Aaron and, and was buried there. And there was no water for the congregation. They gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. We don't have the doctor with us tonight. He's up there in Round Robining, up there in the east somewhere. But if, if he was here, yeah, we do have a we do have a doctor right next to him, which is our veterinarian doctor. Uh, and I tell you what, you have to have water. I mean, you can say that that's not a want. That's a that's a have to. You have to have liquid to survive. I've heard three days, but some people go longer than that. And there was no water. And so what did they do? They gathered it themselves against Moses' leadership. And, they, and, the, and the people chode with Moses. And spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Now right there, if I was Moses, I'd have stepped away from them. Because God in his mercy... Remember now, we're talking about Kadesh Barnea. We're talking about the, we're talking about the twelve spies. We're talking about the ten guys who come back. Majority vote is that we don't go in the land. They're too big. They're too bad. We can't do it. I'm sorry. Even in spite of the ten miracles of Egypt and the greatest power that ever was, in spite of seeing the bodies of the Egyptians float up on shore after crossing of the Red Sea, the greatest army of that time, they had seen the greatest the greatest nation of the of the world at that time humbled onto their knees, begging them to leave them. Then they saw their army pursue them, and they saw God kill every one of them folks that came after him and had their bodies float on the shore. He gave them bread by day. He gave them water. He gave them fire by night and cloud by day. He left their clothes where they didn't walk out. What kind of people are these? What? They go to Kadesh Barnea. Joshua Caleb said, man, we can do it. We can do it. He's done all this other stuff for us. We can do it. We can beat him. Those, those giants are nothing before us. Those walled cities are nothing before us. I told you this morning, look what he did in Jericho. He just to prove to them, you naysayers were wrong. And, and, they, and he took them out. Nope. Ten said no. Majority of vote carried. First, second vote means majority carried. God said, okay. You don't believe me? Every one of you, 20 and above, are, are going to die in the desert. 
Now the, the spies that went in, they died immediately before the Lord. But the rest of them old boys, he gave them mercy. God in his judgment gave them another 40 years of life. You may look at that like judgment, but I look at it like mercy. He allowed them to live, to see their grandkids for 40 more years. Yes, it was in the wilderness, but it was merciful. Look at the ingratitude there. Would to God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. And when they brought up, uh, when and why have ye, ye, that's, that's plural, that's Moses and Aaron, brought up the congregation of the Lord into the wilderness that we uh, and our cattle should die there. Moses and Aaron did not do that. God did that. Moses and Aaron did not say you're going to wander 40 years in the wilderness and die. They, never, they just repeated what God told them. It's interesting. And you have brought the congregation. And wherefore you made us come up out of Egypt? Whoa, whoa. And bring us into this evil place. It is a place of no seed, no place of seed, or of figs, or of vines, or of pomegranates. Neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went in the presence of the assembly at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. No wonder. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye, plural there, under the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation their base strength. Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Now this is when Moses became an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist, which was backslidden. I've seen preachers this way. They get bitter. Preachers can get bitter. They can get bitter. Let me tell you, if Moses can get bitter, a preacher, you can get bitter. And he got bitter. Hear now, you rebels. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod, he smote the rock twice. I bet after he smote that the first time, nothing happened. He goes, oh. He gave it another shot. Water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, ye will not bring this congregation to the land which I have given them. Boy, he had looked forward to that all those years. This is the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel strove with the Lord. He was sanctified in them. Let's see if we can learn something from this passage. Number, a few things we can learn. What would you do? If you had lost or you lose your necessities, not your wants, not your nice clothes, not your AC, not your nice cars or trucks, not your shoes, not your nice house, not your freedoms even, not your security, not your money, but you lost your water. There's a farmer down here, educated farmer. And I'm going to tell you one thing he knows is you've got to have good water. You can have all the land you want. You can have all the sweet soil you want. You can have the greatest weather you want. But you've got to have good water. 
The pH got to be right. Everything's got to be right because really this world runs on water. You want to know why the, the we fought for 12 years out there to keep mines from digging that hole inside of Florida up 110 feet deep? You know why we did that? Because it would have destroyed the water supply for Lee County because that's where all your drinking water comes from is out by my house. They got these big 12-inch wells put down all along everywhere. And that's the drinking water. And we got not, we don't have fair water. We got great water. We have fabulous water in Lee County. 350 parts per million total dissolved solids right out of the ground. That's better than softeners, oftentimes. And Lee County does understand they got good water, and they protected it, praise God. They voted against, by the way, your commissioners voted against money, big money. People, my neighbors were coming to me and say, money always wins. Who has the gold makes the rules and all that other stuff. And there were enough naysayers came to me. They told me, you don't have a chance against all them Philadelphia lawyers. You don't have a chance against. In fact, they may just hire one of them dump trucks to kill you one morning. And I thought, maybe. If I get killed by a dump truck, you know they took me out. But we're still not going to give in. And we went up there as a bunch of ragtag neighbors. And our women got before them commissioners and cried about their babies being hit by dump trucks. And that was beautiful. I always picked the women that were emotional. They're, you go up. You go up. Please, you go up. You cry a lot. Go up. And, man, they'd get up there and they'd weep about their children hypothetically getting killed by dump trucks. Because if we didn't stop that out there, there listen to this, there'd be 10,000 dump trucks per day going down Corkscrew Road. That was the, that was the count. You know what? That many dump trucks, they're going to take you out once in a while. <clears throat> well, what it all came down to was water. Water. It wasn't about safety. It wasn't about truck trips. What about all that is that the county was worried they were going to lose their water. Why? Water is a very necessity for our lives. We have to have water. So I don't think you can be so hard on the children of Israel here. Because when you think about it, they already had lost everything that Egypt had to offer. And they had been in Egypt. And they had lost the security that they used to have in Egypt. They lost the nice beds that they slept on in Egypt. They lost their nice houses in Egypt. They lost their nice neighborhoods in Egypt. They lost their steady food in Egypt with leeks and garlics and, and all the goodies that go with whatever, you know, spices and things that went with their food. They lost the fancy food and the vegetables uh, in, in Egypt. And where they were at and where God had them, there was sand everywhere. I mean, there was sand in their hair. You know how sand is. You go to be sand in your hair. You got sand in your hair. Sand in their bed. Sand in their food. Sand in their eyes. Sand on their skin. Sand in their mouth. Where they were, there was sand everywhere. You can't be in a desert where there's sand without having a wind blowing and having not sand just literally. And you sweat. It's a good combination. You sweat, sand blows, it's on you. You know, it's in everything. It's in your socks. I hate sand between my toes. How many agree to that? I mean, I can take almost anything. You can torture me anything, but you put sand between my toes, I'll confess anything. Just please get that sand out from between my toes. I just cannot stand it. 
They've been out there for many, many years. They were, they were a condemned and doomed generation. That'd be another sermon, a doomed generation. They were a doomed generation. God says you're going to go wander 40 years and die. You will not enter into the promised land. They were doomed. From that moment on, they were doomed. There was no hope. God told them that they were all going to die from 20 up. They had no hope of a good future. They had no hope of progress. No hope of God changing his mind or forgiveness. Their kids had hope. Their grandkids had hope. Uh, they were going to inhabit the promised land. They were going to take it over under Joshua. Uh, God said that your children will do that, but you won't. The setting just overall in this passage was negative for these people. They were in the desert, in, in every definition of a desert, of desolation, place of desolation. Moses' sister had died. Forty years is a long time for anyone to do anything. Her death reminded them of their problems. They were, they were, by the way, this group was a born set of complainers. In Egypt, on the way out of Egypt, at Sinai, at Kadesh Barnea, during the 40 years of wandering, they complained. I mean, there is a group, a generation given over to complaining and a, an attitude of ingratitude. I like Bob Jones Sr. where he said, when gratitude is died on the altar of a man's heart, he is well nigh hopeless. You can almost lose everything, but if you live, you are a complainer and a griper. There ain't nothing, there's very little hope for you. They were children of almost no faith. In fact, the Bible said they're children of no faith in God's abilities. They loved the present world better, and they, they, they wanted this present world and everything it had to offer for them. They said there's no more water. That's it for us. You, you've taken everything else away from them. And by the way, who did they blame? I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember reading God. They're blaming God in this passage. They kept saying, "You Moses." You know, they were after Moses. They were after him. And, and they, you Moses are the problem here. You brought us out of Egypt. Moses didn't do anything. Man, Moses went over and watched a bush that was burning. Wanted to go over and see what was happening. Said, "Take your shoes off for the ground." He stands holy. I am going to send you to them and then take you out. I thought it was God that was behind the whole thing. But I'm going to tell you, you go nowhere complaining. And everybody said, especially with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 10. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmur, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Philippians 2, 14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Wherever you find that kind of spirit, you find pride. Wherever there's contention, there's what? And you find God's people, if, when we lose our spirit of thankfulness, our spirit of just gratitude for being alive and being allowed to be here and being allowed to serve God some way, and however you may end up financially, physically, or everything else, just always have a spirit of thankfulness in everything. Give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. They complained almost everything. But they complained about their necessities, not having their necessities. They complained about leadership. They complained about manna. They complained about manna. What is it? It was Krispy Kreme. I have determined that manna was the first Krispy Kreme. They complained about lack of spite. They complained about lack of meat. They complained about giants in the land. Listen, over and over and over, they complain in verses 3, 4, and 5, this evil place. God will test us as he tested them. 
to see what is really in your heart. You say, what's God going to do in my life? He's going to test you. You say, I'm saved. Okay, good. Now God's going to test you to see if you're real. He's going to see what God's going to do by, by what he brings in your life. He's going to see how real. Most people are fine when they're comfortable. You know, when we're going good, finances good, house is good, everything's good, we're good. Most people are fine while they're in no pain. Most people are fine while the future looks bright. But what, what about when you don't have water? That's bad, isn't it? If you don't have water, you got no water. Have no food on top of that. Well, God gave them this. You know, you know, you, and I tried to have mercy on them. You know, you got to figure that God gave them the same food to eat to test them. I mean, name something you like, macaroni and cheese. When I was uh, going to college for seven years, poor as a church mouse, I would really think a long time before going down to the local butcher and buying horse meat for a buck a pound because I didn't really eat much meat. We ate mostly mac and cheese. You're looking at a product of mac and cheese. And I didn't worry about preservatives. I hope they had some in them. But uh, they, they didn't get to, he, he, knew, he knew they needed variety. I mean, God, God has made variety in the food we eat. Even animals need variety. Pigs like to eat a lot of different stuff. Birds eat a lot of different stuff. Uh, dogs even will eat a lot of different stuff. Chickens eat a lot of different stuff. Animals, and this veterinarian here will back me up later on, they like variety. They actually search around and eat different stuff. They don't just eat one thing. And so God knew that his people needed variety to eat, but he said, no, you're not going to have that. I'm testing you to see what you'll do if I take it away. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 16, if you don't believe me. Who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that's Krispy Kreme, and he might humble thee, that he might prove thee to do thee good at the latter end. Deuteronomy, by the way, it's all, all that whole test was so that he could do them good. Deuteronomy 8, 2 and 3 says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee the forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest do his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Does that sound familiar to you? Remember the devil came up to Jesus and said, tell you hungry, tell them stones become bread. You're God. If thou be the Son of God, which is a deity, then just tell that stone to become bread. And he says, man doth not live by bread alone. He was quoting back here, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. The whole contest is in this thing. The whole test is that we realize everything centers in God. God even caused the woman, the women, to have to wear the same clothes for 40 years. I kind of wish I'd have been there. You imagine the ladies? <laughs> Look at this. Same outfit. Same outfit I came out of Egypt with. Same color. Every day. Same outfit. I tried to get rid of it. I threw it outside. It rained down. It wouldn't hurt. Every, I won't wear out. I, I'm fat. I, I, it just grows with me. 
My shoes, look at these shoes, same shoes. In the hurry, I only took one pair of shoes. Can you imagine? How can you live with one pair of shoes? God did all that to prove them. I just, I just read you that. He, he wanted to prove to see where they were at. Do you love God for what he gives you? Do you love God for how he feeds you? Do you love God for how he clothes you? Do you love God for the house you live in? Do you love God for the car you drive? Do you love God because you got health? Do you love God because you can see or hear or talk or walk or do anything else? Or do you just love God because of who he is? Yeah, that's it. That's it. When you, when your sweet things are taken from you, what will you do? God has this recorded for us, I believe, to teach us the right way. Complaining and griping is not the answer. What difference could it have been if they would have just humbly gone to God and thanked Him for the provision that they had, thanked Him for the 40 years they got to live? They had repented of not, they had repented. Once they got the judgment, they were going to go in, in the wilderness for 40 years and die there. They said, oh, I'll tell you what, we did wrong. We sinned against the Lord. We'll go back and undo it. And he said, no, don't go back. And then they sinned again by not obeying the Lord when he said, don't go back. And so they went back in there and they got chased and killed and, and everything. So they were disobeying the Lord and God judged them for not going. They said, well, no, no, that's not going to be right. We're going to change that judgment. We're going to go the next day. Too late. I believe there's things come by you that God gives you one shot at. You, you get hard-hearted about it, and you miss it, and you can't go back and get it again. It's gone. Saul tried to do that, didn't he? Saul says, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And Samuel says, I'm sorry, but God's already chosen another man who will do everything that he wants him to do, a man after his own heart. Wow. Wow. They should have thanked him for the water of the past. We know that, God, you haven't brought us out here in the wilderness to die. We know that. We know, God, that you haven't, you're not going to let us, you're not going to let our cattle die. We know that you're going to feed us. So you've always fed us. You've always provided. You're going to give us water. You're going to take care of us. Lord, we just believe that you're good all the time. Season, in season, out of season, you're good, God. That's where he wants you to go. You need to learn that you live by every word of God, and that's why you live. And why you exist is because, why you're here tonight and, and, and listening to me is because God's said so. I don't doubt a group this big, but this time next year, God's going to call some of you home. God's going to tell you, can't go back to gospel anymore. you got to go to heaven. It's a fair trade. It's a fair trade, I'll tell you that. I don't feel a lick sorry for you save people that die. I don't feel, I don't mourn that much. Because, man, I'm jealous. Oh, so-and-so died, got to go meet their, have their entrance into the kingdom of God and have all the angels there and everything else there. Oh, what? Why not me? Why don't I get to go? Oh, you're not done yet. You stay there and work. Okay. But, man, 
humble themselves. I mean, I miss people. Don't get me wrong. I miss people. I miss Jim McCollum. I miss Ernie Stewart. I sit down with him a few minutes. But God forbid that I'd ever want to call them back. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Remember the Lord with prayer? He taught his disciples, give us this day our daily bread. It also can be read, I think, give us uh, our, 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 day, day, our food day by day. Give us our daily provisions. Jesus, if it was important that Jesus told his disciples, you need to ask God to give you your daily provisions day by day, we should do that. Give us this day our daily bread. Don't be assuming that you're always going to have food. Don't be assuming the necessities of life unless God wishes you to have them. So I say, Lord, please give us today our daily bread. You live by every word of God that proceeds, you live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God pulled their plug to see where they would go. And he will pull your plug once in a while to see where you'll go. Will you complain? Will you great? Will you blame the leadership for your problems and for the problem? Or will you just say, God? I believe that everybody exists and everything's out by the grace of God and by your, by your will. And you're going to just humbly leave it in his hands. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He'll raise you up. Thank him for your past provisions. Thank him for your present testing. Trust him. Do not panic because he has not forgotten you. He will be there for you. And when all the dust settles in this life, there's not I mean, nobody's going to be able to point a finger and say, God, fail me. David, maybe in his late 60s, an aged man. I just was reading through about David's life again, and I get a kick every time I read down through age. You know, you read through David's life, you got to get a kick. He said he was an old man full of days. I thought, man, if he'd be a gospel, he'd be considered a kid. I think he was only 72 when he died. An old man, full of days. Lived these days out, you know. It's feeble. I thought, boy, he had a rough life. He had a, life. He had a rough life. And he said, I've seen, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or, his, or their seed begging bread. I believe there's a God. I'm convinced that he can do anything he wants to do, anytime he wants to do it, anywhere he wants to do it. And I believe, as a born-again believer, we're secure in him. And as like Paul says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. I'm confident that he's going to bring us right where he wants us to be by by the grace. I don't know what's in your life. I don't know what your future is. I don't know what our national future is. It looks wild. You old old timers, no, this looks the wildest I've ever seen in my life. I know that. But I know God hadn't changed a bit. And if he takes my necessities away, if he takes my water away and he takes my food away, I'm just going to say, God, thank you for the food I once ate. Thank you for the water, water I once drank. And by the way, if it's his will to, to cause you to, to be lacking that to the place you die, then praise God. Heaven, you can't scare me with heaven. You can't scare me with heaven. You can't scare me 